Alrighty, so let us all stand and read this together. Uh, well, it is also in your bulletin. If you guys, there it is. Awesome. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus, his dead body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they came to the tomb. They were saying to each other, who is going to roll the stone away from the entrance for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and it was a very large stone. Going into this tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side, and they were startled. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He isn't here. Look, here's the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Overcome with terror and dread, they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. All right. Welcome to Mission Hills. So good to see everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. All right. As is our custom at Mission Hills, we like to have conversation every week. So we'll start off this period with our conversation topic, our question of the day. So find a neighbor or someone sitting around you, maybe a stranger that you don't know. It's okay. It's Easter. Uh, and I want you guys to talk about what is your favorite season? What is your favorite season of the year? You can t interpret that anyway. It can be baseball season. It can be whatever season. So t take a couple minutes, turn to a neighbor, and talk about what is your favorite season. Did you watch it this past week? So good. I'm actually going to mention The Walking Dead today. So, What's your favorite season? You don't have a favorite? Really? What about you? Yeah. 
You don't care? Doesn't matter? Yeah. I like college football season. All right, does anybody want to uh, share a little bit of their conversation? What's your favorite season? Winter. Winter's your, why is winter your favorite season? Oh, I see. Very selfish, Alex, I, that's fine. That's fine. What's your favorite season? Ah, oh, yes. I like that. It's a good one. I love season two. Yeah, Lydia. Spring. I like that. Yeah, it's way too hot. Yeah. True. It's good. Anybody else want to be brave? Yeah, Chris. What's your favorite? <laughs> That's really good. Do you want to come and preach this morning? <laughs> That's really beautiful. I don't know if I can say anything else. That's it's like, all right, sounds good. I'll hold you to that. Yeah, Philip. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for sharing, Philip. So, yeah, I mean, like Chris saying, like, I think seasons are so important because they, they ground us. They give us a sense of rhythm in life. And e with each passing season, we can move into different uh, moods. We can move into different 
uh, eras of our life and things that we need to die to or things that we need to give up or habits we need to break and all that type of thing. I really love making seasonal playlists. It's something I do. Uh, so if you want to check out my Spotify account, uh, I have all of my seasonal playlists on there. And I've done this for, what, like 10 or 12 years. And they're great to go back because they're like these little time capsules that I can go back and I can listen to a playlist you know, I made like in 2012, and it reminds me of all these different things that I did during that season, and it's a really, it's been a really fun way for me to really live into these different moments and seasons of my life, and uh, I think seasons ground us, because they tell us a story, and they remind us of an era of our life, uh, whether that was a really difficult season, or one that we look back on fondly, uh, there are these stories that ground us, and when we look at the gospel text today in Mark, this is rooted in a story of a group of people. They're telling themselves a story. And this was probably about 40 to maybe 50 years after Jesus died. And these eight verses are a grounding story that this early community, probably uh, most scholars think in Rome, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to remember and, cre- and remember this season of not only Jesus' life, but the development of the early Christian community and what that meant for people about 40 years later. It's like, what does this story mean for them 50 years later? And then what does that story for us mean for us today? What is resurrection for us today? So if you notice, um, there's some interesting things. Every different, uh, every gospel will have a different resurrection account. And this morning we read Mark's resurrection account. And uh, although the author of Mark is unknown to us, what you might have noticed is that that's it. This is the end, that's the end of the book. And the author of Mark just says that um, Mary, Mary, and Salome went to the tomb. And uh, there's this guy, he says, Jesus is risen, he's not here. And then verse 8 says, overcome with terror and dread, they fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And then the book just ends. Like, that's, that's it. I mean, what, what an interesting way to end your book. Like, I can imagine like a, a movie, it's like some of my favorite movies end that way, right? Where you don't really get that resolution. You don't get the, you don't get the Disney ending, you don't get the fairy tale. Like a lot of the gospels will, will go on, explain what happened to, to Jesus, uh, you know, after uh, he had risen. And this story just ends. They were scared and they didn't say anything to anyone. So the question that we can ask this morning is, well, what was it about this story and this ending that the early Christian community was really attached to? I mean, they, at that point, felt no need to, to include anything else that happened after the three women saw the tomb empty, and then they were afraid. What, what could resurrection mean for us in the context of this story? Like I said, I love open endings. I love open endings because they challenge us to then have to do something ourselves, right? Whenever we don't get the conclusion that we want in a story, it then impels us to then have to do something ourselves with the story. And I think that's the the greatest gift that Mark gives us. If you notice maybe some of your Bibles or if you have uh, a Bible app on your phone, it'll have like an asterisk by it and then it'll have a bunch of other verses. Those were actually verses that were added hundreds of years later uh, by when the church kind of felt a little uncomfortable about this open endings, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't like end the book with all these, like with these women being afraid and then it ends. We need to kind of round this story out and make a, make a happy ending. But 
Um, while there is a happy ending, I think we should live in the tension of this open-ended. So what does resurrection mean for us today? I think there's a lot of reasons, but we'll talk about a couple. Uh, so resurrection is an inherently political statement. All right, Jesus was crucified, and it's important for us to remember who crucified Jesus. I talk about this a lot. Who crucified Jesus? Yes, Pilate, but the Roman Empire, right? The Roman Empire crucified lots of people during that day. It was a way that the empire could say, uh, you know, you know who's in charge here, right? We, We will crucify you if you pose a political threat. So um, most of the people that got crucified um, back in the first century were um, somehow insurrectionists. They, they posed a threat to the Roman Empire. Jesus was killed for insurrection. He posed a political threat to Rome. The way Jesus lived, his feeding of people, his healing, his preaching of a new kingdom. If you've uh, ever been to church, maybe somebody has said uh, something like the kingdom of God before. Well, that, the kingdom of God was a message in opposition to the kingdom of Caesar, the kingdom of Rome. God was establishing through Jesus a different kind of kingdom, but that different kind of kingdom was a threat to the way empire operated. So the Jewish elites they also profited off of the system. If you know the story, uh, Jesus gets arrested. He gets arrested by uh, Jewish elites. This system was profiting uh, the Jewish religious structure of the time. And it was problematic because Jesus was accruing a following. He was accruing like a, a group of people that said there's a different way to live. We can live in a peaceful way, but this was establishing just a new way of being that uh, Rome and the Jewish elites obviously did not like. A new humanity. Yeah, what? (laughs) That's right. That's right. I love Jesus Christ. All right, so a new humanity, right? This is a new humanity which everyone is valued. So this is a resurrection story. Resurrection highlights, I think, the nature of reality, right? We, We live in a world Um, much like uh, in many ways the first century where we feel like we look around us, we turn on the TV, we look at our phones, and violence seems to be the dominant narrative, right? Jesus specifically prays, though, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Resurrection uh, is not about heaven. It's not about where you go when you die. Resurrection is about this world right here and right now. This is why Paul and a lot of the early Christians talked about a new creation on earth, not in heaven. The community of, of Jesus followers in Rome, 40 or 50 years after the, the time that Jesus died, were still under uh, Roman rule. They were still under the violent threat of Rome, and being a, a follower of Jesus in Rome in around 70 BCE was a dangerous thing to be. And so you can see that this fear that Mark talks about in his gospel was something that was not uh, a fear that, oh, people 40, 50 years ago had to deal with. This threat from Rome was a fear that this community in Rome 50 years later was very well acquainted with. Death was all around them. So the hope of resurrection for the Christian community Uh, in Rome was not for a future kingdom and resurrection in heaven, but it was that their world 
in the first century would be completely transformed, that there was a new way, and it was opposed to the violence that they saw all around them. The hope of resurrection is that this world can be transformed because Jesus is risen. Uh, and as uh, the gospel writer wrote, uh, Jesus is risen, he is not here. Um, the Roman Empire wanted um, violence, but Jesus' life, death, and resurrection always affirms life, the hope and future of this world. So Andrea and I, we watched the, the show The Walking Dead, and uh, I know Gisela loves The Walking Dead. Um, and what you'll notice about this show, uh, if you've ever seen it, is that there's this parallel uh, between its myth of redemptive violence. So you have a group of people that live in a post-apocalyptic world, and there is violence all around them, violence from zombies and then violence from other communities. And every little community, and this show is like a, it's like a zombie soap opera, basically, but they keep going from place to place to place, and they encounter people, and everywhere they turn, there's violence. But they, you, what you'll notice is that this community that you follow while watching the show always thinks that the, the battle that they're facing right now is going to be their last battle, right? It's always set up to where whoever they're fighting right now, if they could just kill them, then they would have peace. This is the myth of redemptive violence that is present in the first century. Peace of Rome comes through the peace of the sword, right? It's the Pax Romana, is what they used to call, um, uh, that's what they used to preach in Rome. And yet, the Christian community comes along and they start saying things like, no, 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 the peace of Christ is a very different way of being in the world. Um, there's also a, a really great episode of Black Mirror that Andrea and I watched last night. And this story uh, has this woman and this man, they're, they're driving uh, through these like snow-capped mountains and they hit a cyclist. Oh, right? <laughs> They hit a cyclist, and this guy, this guy's not, this guy's not moving, right? And so they, they, they panic, and they decide, we, we have to get rid of the body. We have to get rid of the body. And so they, they, they put this guy in a sleeping bag, and they throw him off the cliff into the water. They have to get rid of this guy. Well, in, without giving away the entire story, what this woman finds out, she was just riding in the car when her friend hit this cyclist, and yet, the rest of her life, she has to repeat violent acts in order to cover up this initial mistake. So her violence is repetitive. If I can just, if I can just get rid of this person, then this, uh, this history of violence will be erased. If I could just get rid of that person, okay, then, then no one else could find out. But then she has to get rid of another person, and another person, and another person, and another person. Uh, and the hope of resurrection is an end to this violence. It's like Jesus was killed by Rome, and the way that reality works is, no, there's resurrection in the morning. There's hope and new life always around the corner. Just when you think that uh, the world we live in is one of death and violence and corruption, coercion, militaristic, the, the prison industrial complex, that all the problems that we see all around us, 
we can get down and say, well, this is just, this is just the way the world is. I grew, up in a, I grew up in a culture that said that mantra a lot. This is just the way the world is. You need to get used to it, all right? This world isn't gonna do you any favors. You need to work hard. You know, this is just the way the world is. You need to learn how to deal with it. And resurrection says there's a new way. There's life, there's hope, there's grace. And this is not how the world is. I read a quote from a former national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, things overturn quite often. Um, so I might be breaking news there. Um, and, and he says, you know, we need to prepare for the world uh, the way it is and not the way we wish it to be. And the message of resurrection is the exact opposite. The message of resurrection says, things might be violent around us, but there's a, there's a better way. And that better way is actually God's way. It's the kingdom of God that opposes the violence and corruption that we see in the world. So it's a, it's a personal call. It's not only a collective call, it's a personal call. An invitation into a new way of being, an invitation in, into hope. Um, we can often be faced with our own fears, our own anxieties, our own addictions, our own violence, and we can seem stuck, and we can ask the question like, is this really all there is? Is this all, what I see in my life right now, is this, is, is this how it's always going to be? And resurrection is an invitation for us to continually be invited into an experience of new life that whatever situation we're in, whatever tragedy we're in, whatever death we've experienced recently, uh, we can be reborn into something new. We can have hope. We can have new life. The way of God, the way of the kingdom of God is always, always inviting us into the opportunity for new life. So resurrection is not about what happens when you die, but what happens if we actually live. Resurrection is not about what happens when we die, but what happens when we actually live. And that's the, that's the, the open ending to the Gospel of Mark, invites us into that experience of, yeah, we're scared. Uh, you know, it says the women are overcome with terror and dread. It's an experience we can all relate to. But resurrection is about where do we go from here? Um, just as this text says, he is risen, he is not here. So our question is, now what? What are we going to do now to bring new life into our own world, our own community, our own life, our own heart, our own mind, our family, our friends? He is not here, he is risen. Overcome with terror and dread, they fled the tomb. Now what? If this is our experience that we are invited into as Christians in 2018, the resurrection is God's reality. Now what? Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for new life. We thank you that there is resurrection that points us to a new way, that when we see death and violence around us, that when we see uh, little crucifixions in our own lives, in our own culture, in our own world, we know that death is not the end. We know that resurrection is here, always calling us into a new way of being, a new way of seeing, a new way of living. And we're very grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys just stand on your feet. 
Thank you. 